there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to people who create things about how they do it, why they do it, how they keep going through all the ups and downs. Today, my guest is a man named Saul Franco, and he is the founder of Diversitours Mexico City. It's a tour company in Mexico City. He's a one-man show, and I met him when I was down there, and I did a walking tour with him, one-on-one, and it was one of the highlights of my trip. So I wanted to have him on the podcast to talk about some of the things that we saw on the tour, and uh, hopefully it will be useful to people that might be going there sometime, which I highly recommend. Before we get to the interview, though, I want to remind you that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by Chevrolet. No, it's not. It's not. It's brought to you by me, although I do have a side hustle that I can promote. You don't know my life. The box party game, perfect for the uh, summer good times. Go to Amazon and buy it. Or I can host a virtual game for you on Zoom, which I do for a lot of corporate clients that are trying to do uh, team building type activities that everyone can do virtually. So you can learn all about that at youdon'tknowmylife.com. There are also two other ways you can support the podcast. Um, You could leave a tip in my virtual tip jar, and you could do that by going to dennisanyone.net slash support. Or I'd love it if you considered becoming a subscriber to DNR Studios. I'm part of a group of shows, and for a monthly fee, you get my show and all these other great shows. And uh, you can support me that way, and you can learn more about it at dnrstudios.com. All right, here now is the interview with my favorite tour guide from Mexico City, Saul Franco. Joining me now from Mexico City, it's Saul Franco. He is the founder of Diversitours Mexico. First of all, hi. It's so nice to see you. The stash is hi. new. I like the mustache. It's cute. I, it works. <laughs> um, Thank you very much. Yeah. As, as you you taught me to say, I'm doing my finger in honor of your stash. You know, like, exactly. right, I support the stash. Yeah. So welcome. That's one of the things that I like to, to do with my clients, too, at least to get back, to bring back to your countries or cities something from Mexico, from the real Mexican or local way right. that people can, can use in their daily lifestyle. Right. And you explained to me that when people do their fingers sort of like up and down, kind of like in, in the movie The Shining when he's like, Danny is in here, Mrs. Torrance. But like that gesture means I agree or yes. or It, it ex- expresses enthusiasm, right? Exactly. Exactly. Most of the time when you don't want to interrupt someone who ha- that you agree on something, yeah. you would do it. It's it's just like from Tijuana all the way to Cancun, all the Mexicans, we understand that. People do it. Has it been something that you've always remembered as part of your life? Were people doing that when you were a kid or did it become popular more recently? No, just I, I remember since I was a kid, but when I, when I was visiting the U.S., um, that's when I, when, I, when I realized about like cultural shocks, about other cultures, about right. other ideas. So, yeah, yeah definitely. We don't do the fingers. Although drag queens will sometimes like snap, which has a similar kind of feeling, like that sort of affirmative yes, I agree kind of thing. But yeah, you taught me that. And uh, we did a wonderful walking tour. Um, when did you start your company? When was the beginning of Diversa Tours? The beginning was because of one of my best friends who actually right now, she lives in Montreal. Right. She is one of my closest best friends. And... I was looking for a job by that time because I used to be a social media manager. Right. So I studied UNAM, that it's one of the best universities in Latin America. And UNAM, it's known in Latin America and also Iberoamerica 
and I studied communications and then I, I got my specialty in advertising. And after that, that's when I decided to be like, try to work in something related to it. But then I got the chance to go to the U.S. to, to, to travel, to visit for just for fun, pretty right. much. And actually, I wanted to, to have an internship in, in New York City because it was my dream to be right. in advertising agency. You could be but then it's your own Devil Wears Prada kind of moment. You, exactly, could, be, you exactly. could be Anne Hathaway kind of moment. <laughs> you could have an abusive boss. It's everything. Fancy clothes. I, I mean, that's what I was, I was getting into because many, many of my friends that were already telling me, like, you have to be ready for this position. Like, you're going to suffer for your job. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for it. I'm mentally yeah. ready for that. I'm ready to say but, it. But in 2019, uh, that's when I was looking for another job. And I realized, like, you know what? I don't want to work for someone anymore because my parents, they have already, they used to have a restaurant for more than 20 years. And then they decided, uh, they were giving me this idea since, since I was a kid. Like you have to work and find yourself. You have to find a, a way that you cannot work for someone else. Right. So, Create your own thing like we did. Yeah. Interesting. So, th- my, my friend told me, she, she was like, oh, I mean, you were visiting in the U.S. for so long. Why don't you become a tour guide, you, you know the story, the history of Mexico, you know, and you like to, to meet people from different parts of the world. You speak this in English. And I was like, oh, thank you. That was a good compliment. Because in the beginning, when I was starting to travel to the U.S., I was like, you know what? I'm not confident. It was hard. Right. That was something I noticed right away when we started. The cat wants to climb on the laptop, which is not effective for a podcast. Um, yeah. When we started our tour... Hey, you speak really good English, but you're like hanging out with one of my friends. You would tell a story about history and then you'd be like, and then the people were like, bye, bitch. And I was like, yes, that's what I want. I want a tour guide that will, will tell us a historical anecdote and end with bye, bitch. So how did your English get so good? You spent time in the U.S., yeah? Well, I was visiting. I was not living. This oh, okay. is the, the, yeah, I was, I was visiting because since I was a kid, I was like, okay, I want to go to, I want to go to Disneyland. I want to go to San Diego Zoo. I want to go to New York. And right. when I went for the first time, almost nine years ago, and that's when I started to travel over there. And I was just listening to people, to right. people. And it, it, it took me a while to make friends because right. I was visiting San Diego to other places in, in the country and LA as well. But hearing this kind of uh, idioms that you guys have, like, so far, so good. Pretty right. good. Right. I'm doing well. I've never heard that before. Right. And like, I don't what think does that mean? Yeah. Things, I don't think those things that you, you can, you learn that in, um, in the school. Yeah. You learn that in the streets with real people. So this is the same thing that I like to do here in Mexico City with my clients that they normally, they become my friends because it's, um, we share the, 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 same, the similar vibe. Yeah. Well, you had that feeling on the tour, and I had been there a few days already and had really enjoyed myself, but it was on your tour where I fell in love with the city. Uh, I think it was the things you were sharing with me and the places we were going, and so I made some notes on our tour, and I'm going to ask you about them because I thought they were interesting, and I'm going to see if I can make sense of the notes that uh, I wrote down. Now, I was staying in the Zona Rosa, which I think is... If there is a gay area in Mexico City, it's it's around there. But the name changed, right? There was it was called one thing, and then now it's called another. Is that right? Yeah, it used to be called the Zona Roja, La Zona Roja, or the Red Zone, right. because there were a 
prostitutes or sex workers. Some people they they uh, they would like now to say that it's sex uh, sex workers. So it used to be only for sex workers, and then in in the nineties it changed more because of the gays. They moved there and they kind of gentrify and changed the whole vibe from the from the area. And everyone went on board with it. We're now going to call it Zona Rosa. Rosa. It, it it sort of officially changed in a way. Um, exactly. We do that to places, the gays. Um, we were riding on a bus early on, and there were pink seats that were set aside. And we don't have this in the U.S., but it's a relatively new thing in Mexico. Can you tell me a little about that? I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, it just started, and I, and, I was, and I was very surprised about like how Mexico City has been very more progressive in many other in areas like this, right. like divide spaces, spaces specifically for women and kids that are under 12 years old. And because, unfortunately, Mexico and other Latin American countries, there's a big problem with sexual harassment. So that's why the government decided to change the whole, the whole idea for making more safe, safe spaces for them. So the idea uh, is these pink seats are for women and younger children, and they're specifically to keep away from sexual harassers and creepers. Like, yeah, interesting. I, it's not only in the subway. It's, it's, it's also in the buses. It's um, There's different type of public transportation that they, we have this division, and it's so amazing for women. Yeah. Talk to me about earthquakes, because I live in Southern California, and we're always people are always like, what about the earthquakes? I never think about them, which, like, watch, it happens right now. Um, but in Mexico City, they, they have had big ones, and it's a big part of the consciousness. I, when we were on our tour, we came out of this building and there were all these people on the street and we were like, what's going on? And you went and ex- explored it. And I guess an alarm had gone off and uh, for a possible earthquake, but it wasn't an earthquake. Talk about the, the consciousness of earthquakes day to day in Mexico City. So the thing here in Mexico is like we are living, I would say like every time to, in, in, if someone is coming this thing for the first time, uh, for sure, they're not gonna have the, the earthquake experience until if they until they come probably like in September. September that's one one of the highest earthquakes that we have suffered in Mexico City. But also that's a that's a really good date for the Independence Day. So I totally recommend my my clients to come for that day. Although I tell them like just not being here into the in in September 19th because. For three years, we have had, on September 19, really big earthquakes. Because our city was built on a lake, and our old city was built with um, most of the old buildings. They don't have any foundation, so it's sinking. And also, it's our city crossed by the fall from from the Pacific Ocean. Right. So it's really, 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 really hard when uh, when we have an earthquake from from the coast to Mexico City. Fortunately, we have a, a system alarm, that, like a siren, right. that goes up on the, on the city for 50 seconds, and you only have 50 seconds to find a night, like a spot to be safe, right? Or go out, or yeah. So there, uh, uh, there's an alarm that'll go off in the whole city. Everybody, what, runs outside? They run to the roof. What do they do? Well, if you're staying on the, like, let's say, like, you're in a hotel and there's, like, 16 floors. Yeah. And if you're in, just stay there. Yeah. Because I tell my clients every time, just remember, if something happens here, you're going to be the first ones who's going to be rescued. Don't even try to go downstairs. Wow. But also, if you're in the second floor, yeah, go outside. So this date, 
has this sort of looming dread to it. So on those days, do you wake up and is everybody nervous? Is everyone on edge? Are you like, yeah, oh boy? Even means about like to get rid of the September 19 from the calendar. Yeah. Because like people, they shouldn't think about it. September 19 is so traumatic for us. And although we don't, we cannot predict like earthquakes, but September, that's a high season for earthquakes. There, there's a lot of movement in the plagues. So that's I th- why. I think it was you that told me the story that on one of those September 19th, there was a drill and everyone did the drill. And then after the drill, there was a real earthquake. Am I wrong about this? Do I, did I yeah, get the story it, it, wrong? Normally, because like, we had a big one in 1985. Yeah. Many like, people, like thousands people died, yeah. unfortunately. So in 2017, there was the drill in, at 11 a.m. And then at 1 p.m., it was a huge earthquake. It was earthquake. a real earthquake. So at 11 a.m., you do a drill. 1 p.m., you're like, that was a good drill. All right. 1 p.m., the real thing happens. You must the real. be looking at the gods like, what are you, this is like brutal. What, what are you trying to say yeah. here, God? Yeah. This is a month that it's crazy. It's like you are living in an adventure every day here in Mexico City because it's like the explosion from the volcano. Yeah. Or a lot of raining that it was like it's flooding. Yeah. Or, um, or the earthquake. But at the same time, all the city changed their whole vibe from the independence movement. So the entire month is like party, 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 party. Right. It's so, yeah. Because also isn't Dia de los Muertos in September as well? No. No, in November, November 2nd. November 2nd. Okay, excellent. Yeah. That's another day that I tell my clients to come because they have to really, to experience what is the other Muertos here in Mexico. Yeah. So the tour that we did, you offer several tours, but the one that we did was to the city center and we saw where the... the president lives and and the big square the zoloco how do you say it zocalo Zocalo. Zocalo. and we saw the zocalo but you told me that gay pride is held there you told me that the dia les mortis the independence party all the huge events Mm -hmm. happen right there and i was kind of struck by that because i can't imagine a big gay pride celebration happening in front of the white house it just doesn't seem like they would let us be that close i know (laughs) really built for it but everything happens right there right yeah, it's so cool to see like more than three thousand people who are part from the community here. We're very open-minded. With we're very progressive, to be honest. I, I was I just recently came back from the from from New York City, and I didn't see a lot of queer people in the area that I was staying. Here in Mexico City, you saw everyone was like holding hands. Lots of there people were, holding hands. Lots of couples. Yeah, yeah. I and it's pretty common throughout the city. Or was it just where I was? No, it was like, I would say throughout the city, in different areas, in different neighborhoods, that yeah. also locals, they are, people, they can, they can hold hands. Even in public transportation, I could see, like, people like lesbians, gays, queers. There's, there's a bunch of variety. But it's so cool to see all of us down there in Socalo, in that big plaza that has a space for more than 3,000 people. Right. So cool. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful uh, area, and it's like this epic scale of of space and i went back and looked at the james bond movie specter and they have that big crazy helicopter um sequence right there i don't know how they did that were you around when they shot that movie because it happens mm-hmm. right in that square i don't know how they were able no, to do it one of, my friends, one of my friends she was working for that for that movie yeah and she told me they did they, they did that part for the from the helicopter yeah. in one take they did a lot of like wow. circles that the pilot threw up. 
that's a funny thing that not many people know about it because the pi- not many people was were working was working in that in the movie. The pilot of that helicopter threw up after they did yeah. all that stunts. Yeah, yeah, it was it was. Also, many many of my clients they tell me like, oh my god, how did this happen? Like it was so close to the to the to the buildings. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, you see great stunt work in movies, but I just don't know how they did it there, you know, in the middle of the government, in the middle of the city. But it was spectacular. And the sequence goes on for quite a while. Um, yeah. I'm a huge James Bond, Daniel Craig fan. And you got to take me to a lot of the locations, that, that place where they go up in the elevator and like all of all of that stuff. So that was a, yeah. a special treat on the tour. That's what I like to also add, because also like James Bond, that movie specifically helped us help Mexico to be seen in the world from this parade because that actually that scene was fake right after that that's when they like people were like oh my god where's the next parade and we were not ready for it but pretty much he we have to be thankful to Daniel Craig for that movie to create Dia de los Muertos parade so the parade that's pictured in the movie that's featured in the movie the Dia de los Muertos parade is not a tradition that that happens there but because of the movie, we're like, oh, we g- I guess we have to do this parade Pretty now. much. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. That's so crazy that we, as Mexicans, we never thought about like, yeah. oh, we should show this to the world. Yeah. Um, I so. had a lot of great meals when I was in Mexico City. But one of my favorites was when we went to Sanborns. Um, this is the department store in, in downtown. And it was like stepping back in time. Can you talk to... Talk to me a little bit about what Sanborns is to people in Mexico. Well, Sanborns is just like a regular restaurant, to be honest. It's not right. like a huge thing. But the place that I took you specifically is one of the most iconic because it was the first one in the entire country. And also the, the architecture. Also, the, the, the story about the house, because there's a bunch of other theories from other tour guides that I have met, fortunately, other colleagues who have told me different stories that they have heard from other right. people. And this house is, is so huge. It's one of the first mansions that we have here in Mexico City that also, as I was telling you, uh, because it doesn't have any foundation, it's sinking. Right. There, the, there's a painting, a mural that you showed me, and the artist, when he was doing some of the lettering, he made one of the yeah, letters exactly. tilted to represent the fact that the whole thing is sinking. Um, to me, department stores in the U.S., like Macy's and stuff, they're kind of on their last legs it feels like when you go in there it just doesn't feel magical but in this place with the restaurant and all the departments just looked like it was still vibrant and happy and i was obsessed with our waitress and the and the uniform because it was like this colorful skirt with like stripes very sort of traditional but this yellow it's almost like a nun's habit but it's on the on the the uh shoulders and it was sort of like Oddly folded, but you say it's kind of iconic in Mexico, like a Sanborn's waitress uniform. You know it. Yeah, the, the uniform is, is iconic. It's something that is unique. It, even even in Mexico, we, we make memes about it. Like you could be, you can feel dead from inside, but you're stand up as a waiter from Sanborn's because you have to be like energetic and very nice and and kind. So yeah, right. that's the iconic thing from 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 service work at Sanborns. Right, it's very cool. It's a it's a representation of good service, cheerful, happy, cheerful, happy, friendly. And you have experience, yes, yeah, yeah, like with the servers. She was very nice. I that's why that. I made I made friends with her. Every time when I come, she's like, "Hey, 
come here, sit with me, like in, sit in this table because she's like fast, she's nice, she's cool with my clients. Yeah. So mm. throughout the tour, there were people that obviously knew you because you do these tours regularly. We went to the oldest churro place in Mexico City. Yeah. What's do you the name like of it? it? I loved it. I wish I had them now. I've had churros since I've been back in the U.S., um, but they're quite not quite as special. But I am I am kind of having cravings for them for sure. 1935 yeah. it was built. Exactly. That place is the most iconic place that we had churros. People were waiting in big lines. Fortunately, after years, they decided to they decided to open other like restaurant chains with the same name. Yeah, it's the same. It's El Moro. They, it's, it's called El Moro, right? Yeah. Yeah. They have different. Uh, it's, it's the same. It's the same um, flavor. Fortunately, the same taste. Right. So you don't have to go to the original one. You can go to the other ones if you if you're in Mexico City. In case like if you don't go to Central, but you're not really into the mood for a churro, you can get it in other parts of the city. It's so cool. I love it because when we went there, you're like, just buy one churro. You're like whispering to me and like, just buy one. And I'm like, oh, you don't want one? And he was like, just buy one. So I bought one churro and then they gave us a bag of four because that's yeah, because of your goodwill. Exactly. Because normally, like, this is the thing that I tell my clients, like, when your guys are with me, the best <laughs> things are going to happen. Like, because they like quality. It's true. I'm, it's true. I felt that way. I felt, it felt very personalized and like special. I don't know. It was my favorite. I loved it. Because also you have to be kind with people. Yeah. You have to be friendly with them. And also they have seen me so much. Yeah. They know me very well. And um, I have been coming friends with them already by, yeah. by for over more than three years and a half. Almost four years in July. Wow. So next month I'm going to turn four years. That's great. And so when did you start your company in relation to the pandemic? Was it before or was it happening? It was, it was before. It was before. It was it right was before. before. It was 2019, July, when I started with, because in 2019, in June, that's when my friends from San Diego, they visited me. One of my, like, a group of friends that I met when I was visiting over there, they were like, oh, we should meet. I have made a lot of friends from different parts of the world. Right. But guys were like, we wanna, we're going to go see you and... We get, we want to visit you. So you could be able to get, and by that time I was working in the, in the advertising agency. So, but it was just different experience because I was their tour guide, but it was not the official one. Right. Until July, that's when I started. And I was like, okay, I need to create a route that my client is not going to get bored. It's not going to get, um, tired. I have to make sure like my client, if once it's getting, um, hungry, I would find a good place for him right. or for her or for them. Right. Same as, uh, oh, you want a drink? Let's go to this place. What do you want? A dessert? Right. want this. So basically it's, it's what you want. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and I and I plan all of that. So that, the, actually Center was my first, my first experience as a tour guide. That was the first route. And I have now like seven. You have seven. One of them's very like, like nightlife and bars, and one of them's more sexy and stuff like that. Can you guarantee exactly. I would get laid if you if we went on a, one of the nighttime tours? Is that is that in the in the uh, well, fine print? I cannot, I cannot guarantee anything cannot. on that part. But 
will have a lot of fun. Yes. And also, be, like, ready to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, just have the experience here in Mexico City with this I love situation. It. I love it's it. Just, it's just very cool, to be honest. I just wish there was there were more people, like, who were doing this. That's why, to me, as, as an entrepreneur, I want to make this in different other in other cities or other countries. Right, your, so, your sort of approach. Because it does feel like a friend just showing you around. Um, when you decided to do this, did you have to do a lot of more research and did you do a lot of studying about the history or did you know a lot of things already? I already knew some stuff because my dad, fortunately, <clears throat> I have a really good friendship with my dad <clears throat> and my mom. My mom, she's my best friend and my dad as well. But by the time that I was, that I, uh, when I was four, my dad was like every time taking us to all the museums because fortunately here in Mexico City, we have more than 90% of the museums are for free on Sundays. So that was our activity, and we used to go to the museums every Sunday to see. And once I started doing this, yeah, I, I was actually just taking a review from uh, the places. Right. But in general, I know in general the, the story, because I don't want to, to make my clients to get tired of a lot of information. Right. I want to make sure like, they feel like, a friend is telling you the story, you know? Right. A friend is telling you the story and it's a little gossipy and it's a little like, you know, you know, like, and, and it had that flavor to it. It didn't feel like, oh, I have to listen and these are hard dates and all of that stuff. It didn't feel like you were going to be quizzed at the end. Um, one of the yeah. places that we visited was the Palacio de Belos Artes, um, which is when you look at Mexico City postcards, it's the building you always see. And in so many places... The big building that's the most beautiful is a church. And I don't always connect to them because I, I, I don't always connect to religion. And I, I realized on my trip to Mexico City and, and Puebla that I'm not crazy about churches because as a gay person, they probably don't like me. That's probably the vibe. That's probably true. So I love that this was a beautiful building that had that kind of um, that stature, but it was dedicated to the arts, to dance and yep. music. And tell me about that building and what you love about it. I mean, this, that building is one of my favorite buildings, but because of the history that it's on recently. So this building, it was pretty much, they started with a project in 1904. Right. Because before that, it used to be a convent and they turned down that convent because this, we used to have a president who was a dictator for over 30 years in, in Mexico. And he had a really good ideas here in Mexico. That's why he was known to be a good president for Mexico but not a good president for Mexicans because he was classist and racist. Right. And but he wanted to uh, to put the eyes from investors in Mexico because he wanted to change the whole vibe of Mexico. Right. Uh, to put us, to make us as a first world country in Latin America. Right. That's why he created that, that, that palace in order to show the best arts, like such as the orchestra, the symphony, plays, concerts, murals, different gallery arts that are temporary. So that was his vision. And the, and the, the dictator's name was Diaz, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Porfirio yeah. Diaz. Yeah. So he, he did things structurally that were great for Mexico, but as, as, a, as a man of the people, as, uh, he had some not so yeah, good qualities. Like rich people. Yeah, right. Uh, um, you told me this yeah. wonderful story, and I went and researched it after we met. There was a gay painting that got displayed there, and it caused a huge uh, uproar in Mexico. 
and I actually found a great article about it in the Washington Post. It was like a big deal. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, actually, right now that painting, it's one of these paintings is in, in, in Paris. Oh, right was, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's about a painting from uh, La Revolución, because we have a revolution, a revolutionary movement against Porfirio Diaz. Right. For the same reason. We're like, dude, we're done with you. We don't, we don't want you to be ruling the country anymore. Right. So the, the revolutionary movement started, but in one, one of these formers from the, the movement was Emiliano Zapata. Right. And this painter, he got the idea to paint Emiliano Zapata in a very feminine or feminine way in the painting. You could see, I hope like the persons who are, or the people who are going to listen to this podcast, they would find it on the internet. With this Zapata with wearing high heels with that, that are made by guns. Right. And the whole, it's hard. It's, it's something that was very impressive for everyone who was when they were visiting it. That was in 2020. And you know the artist, correct? Yeah. Fortunately, I, I met him in this year, actually. And this artist is very nice. His name uh, is Fabian Chárez. Am I saying that right? Fabian Chárez. Fabian Chárez. And you can see his stuff on Instagram. I'm going to say what his uh, handle is. At Fa- uh, Fabian, like F-A-B-I-A-N underscore C-H-A-I-R-E-Z. And did you post for him? Was that the, the artist you told me you posted? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I posted for him recently, like a month and a half ago, I think so. Is, the, uh, is it finished? Have you seen it? No, it's it's halfway. As long as I know, I I I I just need to talk to him again. Okay. I to see him actually this week. Awesome. But the painting is gonna be very controversial as well. It's something that uh, I was not expecting okay. about the about the painting. But I hope because this painting, the painting that I'm on, is gonna be t- taken to Madrid. Oh, fantastic! For three months. So if you have the chance or people who are listening to this and if they go to Spain and they hope that they can see me over there as well in a painting. There you go. So the, the painting of Zabata, they, they decide they're going to show it as part of this bigger exhibition and it causes a huge uproar because from what I understand, descendants of Zabata don't like that he's being portrayed in this feminine gay way. And, yeah, and, and it was it's a- literally people in the streets, like it becomes a huge deal, right? Yeah, because, I mean, the story of Zapata, it was pretty much, it's based on rumors, but rumors from people who are, like, saying that he was at least bisexual. Right. But also, the argument from Fabian was, like, so, it's just literally a painting. It's, it's a painting that if you want to paint something, it, it's, um... How can I say it? Like, like in, not in, 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 yeah, in in America, we say it's freedom of expression. You know, like it's it's yeah, exactly. a work of art. Yeah. So what what's wrong with being gay? Right. What's wrong with being bisexual? That was his argument. Right. And because family members from Zapata, they were saying like, no, 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 you're putting my great grand 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 father in a very bad way by saying that he was gay. And Fabian was like, and what's wrong with it? Yeah. But it was like a, there's nothing wrong with it. A huge so outside, that's why. Yeah, and that's why it was a huge controversy because even family members they didn't like this. So that's why after that they want to get rid of the painting, and there was a huge rumor from 
like um, LGBT group, mostly gays, and there was another group from conservative, and they were fighting each other literally outside of Bellas Artes. Like it, it literally came to to blows, like people in the streets, yeah. like getting kind of violent. Um, I my understanding was that the painting was able to stay. But then the the family was able to put like a sign near it or something. Is that how it ended up playing out with the controversy? No, they had to remove. They had to remove the painting. They had to remove the painting. Wow! All right, man. Yeah. Okay. I know it was it was a unfortunately I didn't have the I didn't have the the time to go when the whole painting was placed over there. Yeah. But I have photos from the original painting, so at least. I have something. Yeah. And now I know the, the artist and I would say that he's a really nice person. Yeah. I think it's amazing that it, it, it caused such a stir. It was a huge thing. It was a huge thing since then. That's when he became very famous. And that's why I also want to add that on my on my tour as type of the information because that's important information from the LGBT history that I want to that I want to share with my clients about that place and how iconic that place is, but also adding the LGBT history with Fabian. Right, which was not that long ago. It was a, it was a few years ago. And exactly, that's really. Another bit of gay history that I learned about while I was there was the dance of the 41. It was a Netflix movie, and um, there's a plaque that, that's um, commemorating that. Can you tell a little about that story? Because I'd never heard that before. No, and also many, even Mexicans, I, to be honest, I learned more about the LGBT history once I become a tour guide. And I feel in a certain way, like, very ashamed because I didn't know about it. Right. But the story is pretty much about Porfirio Diaz's son-in-law. Oh, so the, the, was, the dictator that we were talking about, his son-in-law was... His son-in-law was gay. Was gay. So, but, he was married but, to, obviously, to the the dictator's daughter. Daughter, Yeah. There was a huge situation because there was a house in Mexico City where there were a lot of people who were gay, who did like these type of gatherings. Right. It was like this sort of secret society, and they would have uh, the way it's depicted in the movie on Netflix. Uh, they would have like sort of dinners and stuff, and then there's this huge orgy that happens. Have you seen the movie? Exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, wow, Netflix yeah, yeah, yeah. is really going for I, it with this orgy. I saw actually more that one in the theater. Oh, you saw that Not in the theater. theater. All right. Interesting. Um, yeah. And but they 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 got busted by the cops and uh, they all got sent away except for one of them, which was exactly. the the, the son-in-law. He was kept out of prison because he was connected. Um, but what I think is interesting is there's a plaque commemorating this story. Um, so that says something positive about how far. Yeah, and not many people. Not many come. people. Not many people. They even they don't even know about that. Yeah. Because they also want to have another plaque where there's like rumors about which house was close to to that part of Centro, about the original house. Right. And I hope they they, they can do it again. Like they, they, I hope they can do or they can present it to to the public. And it would, and I hope that would be a huge thing because, unfortunately, that story was not shared to in different a lot of generations after that. Right. It was recently where people, there was one person who wanted to write about the whole story. Right. But recently, no more than five years. Wow. So it's something that's coming to light now more than like when you were growing up. Um, you yeah. mentioned your parents had a restaurant. I think you told me that on one of your tours, 
you you pop in there? Is that right? On one of the different routes that you do? Yeah, it was the North Tour. It was one of my favorite tours as well because it was it was like my dad, my dad, my parents. They used to have a restaurant where there was like a coffee shop slash Mexican restaurant. Right. So during one those stops, we used to make a stop in the. Um, in the restaurant where my daddy was making coffee. Right. So my dad used to help and teach in the way that he kind of tried to figure it out because my dad doesn't speak English. Right. Uh, he was teaching my clients how to make real coffee. If I they love wanted that. So that, would, that was part of the tour. You would go into the restaurant and the coffee lesson. I love those little kind of touches. Yeah. And also it was like a way that, oh, you're meeting my family. You're, you're seeing a family, a Mexican family. Yeah. And yeah, I I, I like that, that that type of tour. It was one of my favorite ones. And also, in, in order to support local local businesses. Yeah, did your father yeah. love it? Did he did he enjoy putting on the show and explaining? Yeah, he was like, "Okay, this is my turn." <laughs> He's all and about it. I've, I've got it from here. <laughs> Sit down. It's my turn. <laughs> yeah, I, by that time I was like just eating really fast in the in the kitchen with my mom. Right. Because my mom was like, I used to text her like, "Hey, mom, I'm on my way. So make make me something." In the meantime, my client is gonna have like the, this barista class. Yeah. With my dad, it was very cool. It was a very cool experience. Yeah. Fortunately, they closed the restaurant, and I hope in the future maybe they can open it again. Right. Um, yeah. When I was going down to Mexico City, a, a number of my friends said, oh, be careful, be careful. Like, I guess you hear about kidnappings and things like that in Mexico generally. But I sort of felt more safe there than I do here sometimes because I feel like Americans are kind of on edge. I, I think we're, we're angry at each other and, like, you'll go into a store and somebody will be yelling. There's more of that. I felt more of that, more people on edge. I feel that more here than I feel in Mexico when I was there. I, you know, I was only there for nine days. I don't know what, you know, I, I don't know day to day. But I feel like the people aren't angry at each other in a way that they are here. Um, well, or are here they? in Mexico, here in Mexico City, I would say like we're the, like the New Yorkers. Okay. Like New Yorkers. We're like every time in a hurry, but we're a little bit nicer because I, I recently, I was just like two days ago, I, I was in New, York, in New York, and people were nice as well. Okay. People were like very, fr- not friendly, I would say nice. Right. Mexicans were friendly and nice. It's like, even though we don't speak the language, we will try to help you if you're, look, if, if you're looking for help. And for security, I would say like, well, at least in the South. In the South, where Mexico City is, yeah. it's not insecure as it used to be. Uh, obviously, you don't want to do like stupid things like going out and partying until like 4 a.m. and then getting wasted and walk like you're wasted, and people can see that you're wasted, so you can be a, like a really big target. Right, and even on our tour, you would say, "Oh, you don't want to go there after 6 p.m." or like there were pockets yeah. where you would say that, but it was just a feeling in the air um, that was okay. Like I, f- I felt, I don't know, I felt a nice feeling from the people generally. Yeah, but also here, that's why I also tell my clients when they come and they do tours, like, I make sure, like, they feel safe and comfortable. I don't want to risk my life. <laughs> right. And also, I don't want to risk their lives. Right. I want. I, I have to tell them when there's, like, a nice place or when it's not a good place. Yeah. I, I want to be your friend who's like, oh, what do you think about here and here and here? I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah, you, you really do feel like when you're on the tour that you're just leveling with people. You're, like, telling them how it is. Um, you said something when we were walking that you don't see a lot of Mexicans in shorts or skirts or sunglasses. Like, there's a way that they don't – certain certain articles of clothing that they don't tend to gravitate toward. It's just like uh, culturally our, our country is being very – has been suffering with the machismo and the patriarchy and – this machismo idea that women, they should only wear, like, if they wear skirts, they have to be long skirts, and guys shouldn't wear shorts because it's like they're not at the beach. And we know already when someone is not from here because it's like, oh, this guy has wearing shorts or yeah. this guy is wearing sunglasses. It's just that how fast you recognize someone that is not from there. That's interesting because culturally, those are things that you you guys are sort of um, not into. Yeah, no, yeah. we're like no, we don't we don't show the legs. Why? Because why would you provoke? What are you provoking? What are you showing your legs for? Right. And also the sexual harassment. That's why women they don't wear shorts, and that's why I tell my clients when they're like wearing like very small, 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 small shorts. I tell them like, okay. No, go back and change because I don't want anything happen to you, and I don't want you to have a bad experience here. Wow, interesting. Um, so when we were wandering around, you pointed out there was a politician, a well-known politician, just walking down the street. We ended up getting a picture with him, and I showed it to my Spanish tutor Denise, and she goes, "Oh, that's uh, Gerardo Fernandez Narona." So she knew the name; like he was like a recognizable guy, and like yeah. from the Labor Party. So it, maybe it'd be like walking into Bernie Sanders, maybe the U.S. equivalent of that, like a, a well-known progressive. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But he was just <laughs> yeah, walking down the street, really and we got a picture with him. And you were saying that a lot of the the politicians fly commercial. Like there isn't a big wall depends, around depends. the oh, politicians. Party. Depends on the party. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, talk to me about that, like the, the accessibility of some politicians in Mexico. Well, the, poli- the political stuff here in Mexico is very tricky. It's just like some people, because our country, unfortunately, it's being ruled by this uh, corrupt system. Right. And what the president, what he's doing is like flying commercial. Only him, as long as I know, as far as I know, is only him. Because only the not even president, yeah. And his son or other family members. Right. I, like, they have places in the U.S. where they have houses. Right. But only the president. I'm not saying that I love him, and right. I don't say that because he has been contradicting himself, unfortunately, lately, and right. that's why I don't like the guy. But... At least he's one of the first that had the idea to to fly commercial flights. So he did it as a sort of symbolic gesture. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's why he decided to not live in the White in the ex president's house. Yeah, where it was like twenty times bigger than the White House. Uh, so he lives in the more modest version of the presidential right. quarters. Yeah, I mean, other presidents they used to live over there yeah. in the Brasil, and they moved to. Um, to Chapultepec Castle, and then from there, Los Pinos, and from there, again, to uh, the National Palace. Yeah. Well, I thought it was wild that we ran into this well-known politician, and he took a picture. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm kind of like, I'm a tourist, like, I don't know who you are, but I guess it's important, and I'm going to, please give me a moment of your time. But yeah, he was cool. He was nice. It was it was like a... Yeah, because he's, 
a person who's very approachable. That's why he, as you saw, like he didn't even have the uh, bodyguards such as other yeah. like politi politicians. Yeah. They have bodyguards that you cannot reach out to them. Yeah. No, this guy, he's from the left political party as, long, as far as I know. And he wants to, he wants to become the president, I guess. Yeah. Something like that. All right. But he also has that stupid things. Well, he's got my vote because I, he was very nice. Um, we didn't talk much about Frida Kahlo on our tour because it wasn't really part of it, but I did Thank do you. the Frida House and the, and the museum uh, a few days earlier, and I loved it. And her face is everywhere in Mexico City. When you were growing up, were you taught a lot about her? Was she sort of always present, or, or does it kind of go in trendy waves? Like, oh, this is a big Frida uh, decade. Frida Kahlo, I don't even remember, but I, I saw more Diego Rivera's Diego Rivera's things growing than, up. Yeah, growing up than, than Frida Kahlo. Uh, but the, right now there's a huge controversy because right now, for example, there was a Dior um, catwalk recently, like a month ago, I guess. Oh, yeah. And they were like, oh, we're like, uh, we want to design something based on Frida Kahlo. And Mexicans were like, Frida Kahlo is not the only artist. Right. There's more. Right. She's there sort of, she's sort of everywhere. Yeah. And that's kind of good, but at the same time, it's kind of sad. Like, what about the other artists who are women? They don't exist? Yeah. That's why for us as Mexicans, we're like, we need to push with other artists. And one of them, Varo, she is amazing. Varo? V-A-R-O? Uh, she's one of my favorite artists. Is she still alive? No. No. Reality, yeah. what I lived, uh, I heard first Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. And Frida Kahlo. Seeing where she lived and died and worked was so interesting. And also what she yeah. overcame with her with her accident and the, you know, painting from the bed and stuff. All of that stuff really captured my imagination. And then, of course, the Selma Hayek of it all. Um, do you love Selma exactly. Hayek? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. She's, like, she's iconic for the Latina culture because she's one of the few artists that was moving to the U.S. And she was with from telenovelas, yeah. doing telenovelas only. And then she crossed the bridge, and then she was already in the U.S., and yeah. she was working, like, small role plays, like the traditional, and she was like, I don't want to work as a traditional server in the series or in the movies. I want to be the, the the main character. Right. And she, and that's why Mexicans were so proud of her. Some people, they hate her because they're like, oh, you don't like, you didn't want to stay here in Mexico. You prefer to go to the U.S. But for people like me, she's um, an icon because she didn't want to, to believe in the comfort zone. Right. She, she, took, she took risks. I interviewed her early on in her career, and I was very impressed with her. She she spoke very fast. I remember that, like, trying to, like, keep up. It actually got, in my life, she changed me a lot because in the beginning when I was when I was visiting the U.S. for many times, I was like, you know what? I kind of, like, one, I don't want to sound like Salma Hayek. She sounds so Mexican. She sounds so Latina. I don't want to speak like that. I wanted to get rid of my accent so bad. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to give up on this. This is your accent. Yeah. Let's try to be someone else. Everyone has your friend. Yeah. So go ahead. When you're away for longer periods of time, what do you miss about it? The food. The food. Yeah. Because I love to eat. Yeah. I love What I loved about the food or what I observed is even the street food is like delicious and special. Yeah. So you could, yeah, yeah, you yeah. could, you could 
go down there and eat really cheaply and still be like, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. Let me actually give you, um, how do you say it? Like, correct you with the word. Oh, because word? I, yeah. We don't want to call here that it's cheap. Oh, okay. We said that it's affordable for you guys because Mexicans, trust me, with the minimal salary, people, they cannot afford to, right. to buy you, what you can get here. And people right. are like, oh, this is very cheap. Even when I went to Colombia, I, I felt rich for my first time ever. Right. Uh, same situation. Once I'm gonna go to to Argentina, and it's like, and because I was thinking the same word, like, oh, it's very cheap, but right. it's not cheap for them. Right. It's cheap for us because our currency right now is higher. Yeah. And when we go there, yeah, with thir- thir- thirteen U.S. dollars, right. you can get like big plate. Yes. The situation. So. And let me correct you with that. Affordable. 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 I appreciate yeah. that. Um, but I think yeah. I think my point is you don't have to eat at the fanciest restaurants to have like an amazing no. food exactly. experience. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I first learned about you and your tours on Scruff, I, as I recall. I bet that's a great tool to meet people that are new in the city because I'm more likely to open that up than I am to like, I'm going to go on TripAdvisor. Like, no, you're going to open up Scruff. Um, so how do you find your clients? All, all kinds of different ways or all, word of mouth? That's when I'm right now using my, my background as, a, as an advertiser. Yeah. Uh, marketing. And, smart. Well, yeah, I have social media. We have to use social media for many things. Right. It's not only what people, they uh, normalize to use Grinder or Scruff. It's like there's other ways. I have met really good friends on Scrub actually, and also by recommendations, by for my reviews, people have found me. Even hotels have found me, and they want to collaborate with me because the the reviews are like boom, 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 coming up. Yeah, well, I've been raving about you to all my friends. A friend of mine is going down there in July, and I told him he has to call you. Um, so Thank before you. before we wrap it up, tell people how they can find you. You can find me on Instagram by at Diversity Tours. D-I-V-E-R-C-I-T-O-U-R-S. Excellent. Diversity Tours. Or on Facebook, same, Diversity Tours. Next, same. On the, I have a website, diversitytoursmex.com, or in Google uh, by Diversity Tours. We want to see how that painting of you turns out. So that'll probably be on there at some oh point. My- and I cannot wait to share it with everyone here. Yes, you're a model. You're a glamorous model. Um, uh, uh, right now, you started with that. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, just a couple more questions. What's your dream for the future of your company? Mm, well, I like to. I would like to have my my tour company in different in the other different states, different countries, and finding people that they have that they share the same the same vibe, the same energy, the same vision to share their local view, their city with a friend who's coming from another place and they can make different um, friendships. Well, I certainly had that feeling. It was the highlight of my time there. One of my favorite things that I did. By the end of it, I was like, well, I mean, when are we going to hang out? Like, what's going on? <laughs> I just felt like we're I, know, being, I, actually have, I have hung out with other, other of my clients, some other clients, but I just don't have a tour the next day because... Yeah. If I have a tour, I can. It's funny because I follow you now on social media. So I see you with other tours in the same place as we were. And I'm like, oh, I yeah. guess I'm not that special anymore. There he is at that same cafe with some guy <laughs> in a tank top. You know, I'm that yeah, guy. But 
I will try to change also. I want <laughs> no, it's wonderful. I want everyone to have, you know, like when I, I look at the pictures and I'm like, oh, that was really special. I'm so glad they're having that thing. I'm just being silly. Here's my final question. What are the moments when you're doing these tours where you really love it? I like when my clients at the end, they hug me. Because they, we start normally like, oh, hi, like with a handshake. And at the end, when we, because in Mexico, it's so normal to, to hug. Yeah. But I could feel and I could see, because when I was visiting the U.S., like Americans, they don't, they don't hug a lot. Yeah. And when they hug, it's because it's very deep. It's because they want. A connection has been made. I remember our yeah. hug vividly. Yeah. I also remember... Yeah. There were there were two beats to it. It was a it was a double hug. I don't know if you remember this, but it was. Yeah. And also, you liked my haircut. You complimented my haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I love I, I love your hair. It's so thin. <laughs> Thank so cool. you. Thank you. I just wanted to get that on the record. Um, Saul, it was delightful talking to you. I really hope our paths cross again. I want to come back and do more tours. And Definitely. and Taylor Swift is coming to Mexico City for three days. For three, for three days. days. Maybe so. I sell my car, book a plane, go down and see her. I don't know. I can have Maybe. some. I can have some affordable food. Um, exactly. It's tempting. Are you a fan? Are you a Swifty? I am becoming a Swifty already. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right. I love her. I like it. Me too. All right. This was delightful. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you for having me here. It's first. It's, this is actually my first invitation for a podcast in English. So I'm. I hope that I did it well, and I'm very nervous. But I did my best on this. Um, you crushed it. I'm doing my finger for you right now. Boom, boom, boom. And you're as adorable on Zoom as you are uh, on the streets of Mexico City, showing people around. So um, keep it up, and hopefully our paths will cross again. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Saul Franco. You can learn more about his tours at diversitoursmex.com. All right, so this happened. I'm going to talk a little bit more about some things from my Mexico trip so that it'll all be in this one episode. So if I know someone that's going to Mexico City, I could just send them a link and uh, and we'll go from there. Um, one of the things I did is I went to the city of Puebla where my tutor that I've been studying online with, Denise, lives. And we've been studying together for like two and a half years and only on Zoom. And it was amazing getting to see her and, uh, and see Puebla and hang out with her. It was just magic. I, she's so cool. She's so cool. And it's just surreal to, you've seen somebody only over a screen for so long and you're like, oh, that's what your profile is like. And she's delightful and really gorgeous. And like, I was just like, you're a movie star. I was kind of in love with her. Anyway, um, one of the things we went to do together was we went to a place called Cholula, which I wrote down as Chalupa on my pad. And that's not right. It's called Cholula. Uh, it's near Puebla. Um, and it's this sort of beautiful little community, and there's this big church on a hill. So we hiked up to the big church, and I think it's been there over a hundred years. It's been there a long time, and I was, it was really gorgeous inside, ornate, lots of gold, lots of, um, you know, clearly it took a lot of time and a lot of money to build this church. And I was having this thought. I've been thinking a lot about churches because you visit a lot of churches when you travel and. Like, church, what is that? Like, And I thought, you know what? If you lived in this community and you just had a regular job at, like, a bakery or you're a farmer or something, and on Sundays you would go to this building, it's so spectacular 
that you think, oh, there must be a God, because look at this place. I mean, I think it would inspire faith, because the ornateness, the materials, the, like, I think you're, I think they hook you by, um, look how nice this place is. I think it's like when you would do a pyramid scheme in the 90s, and you would go to some fancy house in the Hollywood Hills, and you're like, oh, I have to believe it, because look at that view. Anyway, that was my insights about church. Oh, one of the other things that I did was, there's a new relatively new, according to my friend Tony, fast food joint in popping up all over Mexico City called El Casa de Tono. And I went there with my friend Tony, who lives there, and it's sort of the new kind of Chipotle, but you sit down and you fill out like what you want, and they bring it to you, and it's become very popular there, and it felt like very authentic Mexican food, but also like affordable. Um... And, like, kind of a new thing there. So that might be, if you, there's green signs. And the first night I got there, I asked my hotel where I should go eat because I had just gotten in. And they told me that place. And I went there, and there was a really long line. So I went to Chili's next door because there was no line. And I, I love Chili's. I love it so much. The chips, you know, it's, it's, I know, I know. I should have stuck it out. But I ended up going back to El Casa de Tono, so it was worth it. And the other thing that struck me when I was down there, on the day my friend Tony took me to the um, the Pyramid Ruins, Tihuacan, I always say it wrong, on the way there, there were all these sort of aerial tramways, like kind of like you would see in tourist spots like Palm Springs, or I went on one once in Vancouver, you know, they go up high, and they're very kind of touristy things. Well, I asked my friend about it, I was like, what are these tramways, and they're a new means of public transportation. So it's how they're getting a lot of people from the suburbs to the city to work in this really kind of unique way. And I was like, there's so much construction in L.A. because of the subways that are being put in, which I think are great. But I was like, why don't we just fly people around on these tramways? Uh, I don't know. I started thinking about it. Um, But I just kind of captured my imagination. And uh, I think they've been quite successful there and i think other cities in latin america have been doing it as well i also want to mention the bike tour that i did that ended up at the frida Kahlo house and museum um it was through a company called el taco club that i found on TripAdvisor. um i really liked it because the Kahlo house and museum is interesting but it's not hours worth of um stuff to see and 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 you know, take in. So having the little bike tour before for a few hours, we stopped and had some food things along the way, learned some history. The area is really charming. The biking was enough to feel like you're on a bike tour, but it wasn't uh, particularly taxing. So I'm glad I did that. I thought it was the perfect way to experience um, the museum and also that, that suburb of Mexico City. One other thing I want to mention is I made some videos with Saul while we were on our tour together, and I'm going to post them this week on my Instagram. So you can see some of the things I'm talking about. It can all go together um, like a multimedia blitz. All right, that's enough for this week. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you know anyone that's going to Mexico City, um, I think they'll have a great time, and you can share this episode with them. Hopefully, they'll get some tips out of it. They should definitely book a tour with Saul. It was really a highlight of my trip. And as you could tell from listening, I'm totally enamored with him. He's so cute. He's so nice and fun. I, I just and, he's, and he tells funny, dishy stories about history. It's just great. Anyway, all right. I wanted to give a shout-out to AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes. My theme music is by Mark Daniels for Placement Music. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Adios. Adios.